something that I was wanting to say. Uh, I heard I heard yesterday or today that Zoom has a new partner. I kind of want to guess who it is because I can tell by the way you're saying that that there is a partner. Um, Musk? Ooh, great guess. Um, mm. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, it's not Bezos. I like calling him Bezos. Yeah. Do, do oh, you know, it is? No, no, it's not oh, Bezos, I, but yeah. it's, I enjoy calling him that too. Is, is yeah. it actually Bezos and... I, I think so, but I just Bezos. I call I called him Bezos once, and you la- and you laughed. <laughs> Be- it's definitely Zos. not Bezos. <laughs> Although that sounds like a villain, like a star, like a Superman villain. Yeah, yeah. Bezos. Bezos. He's even bald, like Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. In oh, space. God, yeah. he is. He's yeah. actually a villain. Wow. Um. Who? Who's the partner? Uh, the FBI. Really? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've never heard of them like I've obviously heard with them like working with every facet of American society, but not like, <laughs> not like a partnership. <laughs> that might be an exaggeration. Kind of a partnership, yeah. but I heard that uh Zoom kind of like had this reputation for a while for being like encrypted, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just kinda Made it clear, like, no, if you're using the free version, it's definitely not encrypted, and like, wow, the FBI could have access to it. It's like, oh, okay, nice, interesting. So now, not wonder- only the NSA is listening to us, but the FBI too. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the feds. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what their purpose is. Like, I, there must have been something where they were like, where they realized it was important for them to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe to like catch all those <laughs> liberal terrorists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There has to be something. Oh, but you know what? Another thing. It could just be like this idea that I've heard, like, like so many, so many China scares. You know, like when everyone started using Zoom, they were like, the following companies don't use Zoom because they are afraid that China like <laughs> spies on their calls or whatever. And it was like, like you know, big like industrial companies, including like. The government and stuff and so yeah <laughs> big industrial companies including the government <laughs> that, i'm not sure if that's what you intended with that but that feels pretty accurate <laughs> that is not what i intended massive corporation but... called the government <laughs> the government <laughs> it's kind of funny to think about the government is just it's the name of a company <laughs> <laughs> the company that rules the world <laughs> I have a feeling that's what idiocracy is kind of like. It seems like corporate dystopia, but I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea because I've never seen it. Yeah, same. Yeah. Have, have you watched Silicon Valley? The first season and a couple episodes of the second season, and then I just stopped. There was no reason why. I think I was like moving or something, and I just mm. didn't keep watching it, but I I really need to. I have access pretty, to it. Nice. So It's pretty good. Some good Mike Judge. Have you seen the whole thing? Yeah, like twice. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I laughed very hard, especially at the season finale of the first season. Um, Very funny. <laughs> yeah. 
That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I feel like our attempts to avoid the transition didn't yeah. work. So <laughs> you're right. I almost when I said that we, neither of us had seen any idiocracy, I almost then like sh- just like threw a brick through the window and was like, "But we have seen like plastic." <laughs> I I love the movie Lake Placid. Yeah, you uh, you, you I, said yeah. you've seen this many times. I have seen pretty much all late nineties natural disaster movies many times. <laughs> so I would include this. Um, although I've only seen like the the mainstream version. So I've seen Armageddon a bunch, but I haven't seen Deep Impact ever. <laughs> the mainstream um, version. There was like the mainstream version of the generic yeah. form. Like exactly. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know which one is which for Volcano and Dante's Peak. Yeah. Those are both kind of mainstream. Those I, I would almost guessed, be like, go ahead. I, I would have guessed Dante's as the mainstream. But. See, I think I would probably say that objectively. But for me, I was more, I was a Volcano boy. <laughs> I was all about Kano. Kano. Uh, <laughs> I remember Kano. seeing Volcano. <laughs> Kano. Um Tommy Lee Jones. I was a big Tommy Lee Jones fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'd say <laughs> yeah, Volcano's so fucking funny. They really try. They 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 try and like address race relations. And you know, this is like late '90s LA, so it's like in the wake of like the Rodney King riots and stuff. So hmm. they like to, they try and address like police race relations. It's it's really funny, and it's only about a two minute scene. <laughs> but like like remember the Titans, they fix racism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two minute scene they didn't even take like yeah. 30 minutes to do it exactly it takes the the like the the outside enemy of lava rolling down the street for for race relations to be fixed in la um <laughs> but yeah dante's peak i think has a better sense of divine justice uh hmm. <laughs> with that 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 main guy who's like this isn't bad like blah 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 <laughs> Does he just it's get okay. melted? <laughs> he doesn't get melted. He like he's like climbing over a bridge that like giant flood just like flips over and like an actual flood or a flood of lava? No, an actual flood. I don't know how that happened. I think lava <laughs> melted a glacier, probably. Probably. <laughs> I wish there was a tidal wave of lava that got him. That would be much better. <laughs> that would have been really great. Is it probably in, too too much CGI. Too much CGI. Yeah. Is it in one of those? Isn't there a scene where like an old person has to like swim somewhere, and this the water she's swimming through has like I don't yeah. know if it's lava in it or if it's like acidic. It's like it's like acidic. I think I don't remember which one that is. If it, that's the only scene I remember from those two combined, and I don't know which one it's a part of. I can kind of picture I, Pierce Brosnan's face, so I would think that it's Dante's. Yeah, I I think you're right. Um, and also, there's a scene kind of similar to that in Volcano, and so I doubt th- <laughs> I doubt they would have two in okay. there. So I, I think it I think it must be Dante's. <laughs> what's what's the volcano scene? It's a pretty famous scene, actually, and it's a uh, in the <laughs> it's in the L.A. subway system. And oh, the, it's great. The actor is. Um, <laughs> The actor is, I don't know his name, Marge Gunderson's wife from, uh, I mean, Marge Gunderson's <laughs> husband from Fargo. I don't know the exact dude you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, I don't know that guy's name, but I really mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. I really like him as like a character actor. Right. So he's, he's probably. He's like bald and tall and kind of has the, like the hair ring around he, his yeah. head. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a he has like the haircut of a 12th century monk. Right. Um, he is one of those actors who I'm I'm pretty convinced is like a million times better than your average Hollywood actor. He just doesn't have that like leading actor presence. You know, mm. like if you saw him in like a play, you'd be like, holy shit, this is the best acting I've ever seen. But <laughs> by like Hollywood standards, he's not attractive. He's not like action packed. He's just sort of like a perfect kind of like, uh, like mid-American side character. Right? Yeah, just like an American <laughs> dad guy. Yeah. <laughs> What a great name for a show or a movie. <laughs> I, think, so I, think there, I think there is a show called American Dad. I think there is. American yeah. Dad Guy. <laughs> it's actually a combination of American Dad and Family Guy. And Which Seth, I think Seth MacFarlane made both of those. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's really funny. Now we're going to um, sue him. <laughs> so the scene in Volcano. It takes place in the L.A. subway system, which I've heard people from L.A. are like, yeah, no one ever uses that. Uh, but the train stops for some reason and like lava is like like flowing toward the train. It's not like very fast, but like pretty, pretty rapidly. So he as this like subway worker is like telling everyone like, you know, get off, get off the train, like go to the back of the train, jump off and run down the tracks basically because the lava is coming toward the front of the train. So he's doing that. And then like, as people are getting off, I think like an older gentleman, um, like trips or like overheats from like the lava that's like heating up the inside of the train. And so this subway worker, um, or it might be like a homeless guy that the subway worker knows or something and is seen around. So it has this like, this like really heartfelt like attitude to it. So he like picks up this man and he's like carrying him to the back of the train. He's sweating because the train's becoming an oven and he's walking and he's walking. And by the time he gets to the end of the train, the lava is now beyond the train by like six or seven feet. Mm. So there's like no way he can like jump over this lava to like save this guy. And everyone's like, come on, like blah, blah, blah. But like they can't do anything because the lava's there. So what he does is he just like takes a running jump as far as he can and he jumps as far as he can but lands in the middle of the lava. And he's like, ah, because like literally like like one, like one inch per second, like or maybe like six inches per second. He's just literally sinking into the lava. So he but but to save this man's life, he literally hoists him over his head, which – which, as someone who lift, lifts weights, you know how hard it is to lift, like, 180 pounds with, like, no movement. Just, like, curl and then, like, up, <laughs> press. <laughs> and he just goes, Hurrah! and he presses him and throws him about six feet. And he and the man makes it just beyond the other side of the lava. And then he continues to, like, robotically be like, <laughs> and scream. And the thing that's so funny about, about that scene and any other scene along those lines is that he continues screaming until the lava is like up, <laughs> up above his pectoral muscles. And so it's like at that point, his lungs are melted and the body would be in such extreme shock. You now have like no blood running through anything. Your heart is <laughs> is now no longer there. So I don't know how you continue to scream and have consciousness. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to ask someone who could just press 180 pounds over their head while they're being melted. Yeah, you're <laughs> slowly losing more and more leverage. <laughs> now, is he sinking because, like, the lava's deep or because, like, an inch of his body is just being kind of melted away every half second? 
Yeah, the the ladder. He's just constantly <laughs> being. It's not very deep. It's maybe like four or five inches deep of lava. So it's um, just kind of like erasing just, that part of his body as he goes further down. That's exactly. That's the right way to put it. <laughs> I wonder if that's how like that would actually work with lava. I feel like it probably probably wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a good question. It would be. It would be interesting to hear a lava expert. Talk about uh, those movies. Yeah. It's, so we got those two. We got Armageddon and Deep Impact. Were there any mm-hmm. other like mainstream and generic disaster pair movies that you can think of? Um, I don't know if I can think of any other pairs, but I'm just like thinking around that time. It really seemed like they were trying to – Hollywood was really trying to hit a big natural disaster blockbuster theme and so then that's why you have twister and anaconda and lake placid and god i'm sure there's so many more that we're missing deep blue sea but that had more than natural disaster it was unnatural really yeah because i've never seen it i've seen parts of it and i'm pretty sure these sharks are like genetically engineered i see thing yeah there's there's some kind of human tampering so kind of more in the jurassic park vein i guess Mm, yeah yeah so um (laughs) anyway i think about 10 minutes ago you asked me you said that i had seen lake placid a lot and so the answer is yes (laughs) i did ask you that if we talked about dante's peak and volcano (laughs) it's kind of our new theme of talking more about a random movie (laughs) than the one that we watched the one that i just watched right before this episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, you were really, I had never seen this movie, listener, but I remembered, um, I guess 21 years ago when I saw a poster of it on the wall of the Esquire Theater in St. Mm -hmm. Louis, and I just remember a giant crocodile. Yeah. So I I feel like I've basically known what the movie is without ever having seen it, but yeah, I'm wondering why you were uh, particularly emphatic that I watched this movie (laughs) and not, not read anything about it before I do so. Oh, great question. Yeah. So, listener, to give you a little background, we decided the other day to do this. And, yeah, I was pretty emphatic that Sean not look up anything about it. And then as I rewatched it, I realized that the reasons why I didn't want you to look up anything about it are given away very early on in the credits, the opening credits. But the fact that it has Bill Pullman, mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. and Betty White, and, and Betty even White. Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt, yeah. But Betty White was definitely the kicker. Yeah, that was that was like the kicker for me too when I saw it because like I, I was young, but I knew like Golden Girls and whatnot. It was like that lady, like, and she, <laughs> her character is she is just the the embodiment of chaos. Of chaos. <laughs> like if I don't know if the Greeks had like the god chaos, I, I imagine they probably did. Um, but man, she she just she embodies chaos. She is everything a typical old granny is but then she says the crudest shit to people right and (laughs) she definitely says the crudest shit that whole movie she does this movie has a lot more cursing than it was it is it r i think it's r i think that's probably why i didn't see it when i was oh okay because it was bad (laughs) they said fuck they said fuck they said the f word i think betty white betty white says to one of the guys like if i had a, a dick i would tell you now to suck it yeah <laughs> like holy shit 
<laughs> I can't believe that someone wrote that and then they directed Betty White to say that. Yeah, that she agreed to say that in a movie like Lake Placid. Yeah. I think she calls Oliver Platt like a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, she's it's, she's responsible for this gigantic crocodile. She yeah, she feeds is. it cows. She feeds the cows. It ate her husband. <laughs> she didn't care. Um, uh-uh. And she, the reason why she didn't care is because she like knew that if she reported it, they would come and try and kill it, which I think is just kind of so funny. She mm-hmm. cared more about the crocodile than her husband who was eaten alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you've seen this movie many times. Yeah, I have. And I just remember... Uh, when I saw it, I, I don't know, something about it just like, it seemed so cool. I, I don't know why. I just thought it was like such a cool movie. Um, maybe cause something about the name Lake Placid, like, because I know that that's a real lake in upstate New York. Oh. I remember I was like so curious about it and I, you know, I don't know. I was, I, however old I was, it was like around the time when like as a kid, you might be like interested in something like Bigfoot. It's like, are they real? And this idea that there's like a real lake called Lake Placid and maybe this is based on a real thing. Um, but even this is the funniest fucking part of the movie. I think, um, the lake that they're on is not even called Lake Placid. That's right. What what was it called again? <laughs> I don't think they name it. I don't <laughs> think they ever give a name for it. They said they like wanted to name it Lake Placid, but they like couldn't. But for that some lake reason. already exists, which is the lake in New York. <laughs> so, so I think that is like the dumbest name you could ever come up with for a movie. You're na- you're naming the movie after a reference in the in the movie. Like a very throwaway reference line that easily could have gotten cut out. I feel like that had to be because of like legal reasons or something. Like they weren't yeah. allowed to like say that it was the actual Lake Placid, but they really yeah. liked that title because it's like <laughs> ironic. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that has to be that. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it's ridiculous. They just like, like found one way to like put it into the movie in one line just so they could have that title. Yeah, I, I've. Oh man. That's just so dumb. It's really yeah. stupid. Oh, it's, man. This is the kind of movie you can just really easily picture like a mid to late 90s person pitching a studio. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. Like completely capitalizing on the fact that studios are making all these disaster movies. It just, yeah. like, I mean, you can really easily describe a movie like this in a sentence or maybe even a sentence fragment. Like mm-hmm. yeah. a, a, a a calm lake where a giant crocodile eats people. Exactly. And let's get Bill Pullman involved. <laughs> oh, yeah. Having already saved the world from aliens. Right. Yes. So something that I think is so funny about this movie is after I watched it, I realized that the reason why I like this movie is because I actually think the acting and the characters are pretty good. Really? Um, yeah. So... There's like, it's, it's a little cliche, but like there's some character development and character motivation, like the four main characters we have. So Bridget Fonda, um, Oliver Platt, Bill Pullman and Brendan Gleeson, they all have like totally different POVs and different perspectives. And without being, without through exposition, we get a sense of their backstory. Like Oliver Platt, he, he is the most complex one, which is funny. He was clearly like a rich kid who was like, who like never saw his parents because they were you know, totally probably emotionally absent. And so because of that, he built up this like persona of like being annoying in order to get attention, but he's also really smart and very rich. 
<laughs> I've thought a lot about him. Wow. Um, and uh, it's just like, wow, that's and like his like self consciousness comes through in some scenes, and I'm like, that's really good. that's really good acting for a shitty movie. <laughs> I did not pick up on any of that. <laughs> yeah, probably because I've seen it a bunch that I've like thought about him and like it's just like I actually yeah I don't know there's some like, nuances to his portrayal that exactly kind of just gets skirted over because of what the movie's about <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like even you know I I don't know it's just kind of funny like <clears throat> one thing one way though that the what I said doesn't work is like Bridget Fonda's character. She falls into like the classic like '90s cliche of like we have to give this woman some motivation. What is it? Oh, I got it. Her boyfriend just broke up with her. <laughs> That's why she's sad. Right. That's pretty much what we got. She's a paleontologist who works at a museum whose boyfriend uh-huh. just dumped her. Yeah, and they never return to that. Like it doesn't get what was resolved. The point of that? At the end. It's just like I, I feel. I feel like it was an excuse to. I mean, bring her to this whole Lake Placid thing. Yeah. But also to like have her as kind of the protagonist or something. I'm yeah. sure that was like a studio decision. Like, oh, we'll have a female protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's going to change things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so maybe quite flat. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I guess they probably maybe wanted this to feel a little bad for her or something. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And she just falls but- in love with Bill Pullman in like a mm-hmm. day. <laughs> Yeah, it really is like a day. Yeah, I think they have like one night. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things, uh, as you were watching it an hour ago, you you texted me something like, uh, I'm trying to figure out who's going to die. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I, I think it's either uh, Gleason or Platt. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear like, what what was your what was your thought process? And who did you end up landing on? Totally. Um yeah, my th- oh yes, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> my thought process I think was that usually like the not ma- like one not main character or something will die like kind of in yeah. a climactic moment or a midpoint moment to just like enhance the gravity of the situation, you know, like uh, Quint or whatever. I guess that's more towards the end, but mm-hmm. um, whatever that fucker's name is in Top Gun. Goose. Goose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, oh, wow. Like that guy yeah. was important to this movie. And yeah. Oh, there I, are stakes. They, they told yeah. me to like him. So yeah, there are stakes here. This is more important now. Yeah. Um, so I, I was kind of debating between Gleason or Platt, like which one of these guys will the crocodile eat before the big showdown. But kind of beneath it all, I was also kind of thinking like, I'm not sure if this movie's going to kill any of them. It, it mm. seems to really like all of these characters and so i think maybe there'll be some close calls but i don't know if they're i I wasn't i wasn't sold on the fact that they were going to die but i also really wanted to like predict it correctly if they did so so my guess was platt Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think i think that was the correct guess right right um he's reckless yeah he did yeah a couple times even i like how Basically, every time we see this crocodile attack someone, it's instantaneous, sharp, and it has incredible accuracy to, like, bite off a limb of its choice or, like, a head. Like, it just leaps out of the water at the one point and just bites that guy's head off and goes right back in. <laughs> the guy's, his body's, like, twitching. 
as they pull them back yeah. in. Yeah. It's like a split second. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this thing clearly like lives to eat and is really good at it. Yeah. But for some reason, when Oliver Platt is in the water right in front of it, like with no obstacle, it just like stares at him. Yeah. And I think they try to like make it make the point that like oh well he respects this crocodile because he's mm-hmm. a mythology professor or whatever and he uh, he knows that <laughs> actually this kind of ties in right to one of the only quotes i wrote down because it was very funny um bridget fonda is explaining his character to someone else mm-hmm. it says he thinks crocodiles are godly and <laughs> Every primitive culture known to man deified them. And then she said, ancient China, Egypt, Australia, Asia. (laughs) (laughs) Going back in history, crocodiles have been more worshipped than Jesus. (laughs) She started with a country, China. Went into an age, another country, Egypt, and then she just said two continents, Australia and Asia, one of which includes the first country. <laughs> so, so basically, every every primitive culture in the very limited regions of the world where crocodiles actually exist. <laughs> she didn't mention North America or Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> didn't mention that many places <laughs> yeah doesn't really add like gravity to the to this idea that like they're somehow they somehow are special just because like a few random cultures around the world have have thought they're special yeah like i mean culture is just like a continent <laughs> yeah all of asia all of ancient asia deified crocodiles <laughs> more than jesus <laughs> but anyways oh. so that that kind of sets up that plat really respects yeah crocodiles and uh so yeah he's just staring kind of a stare down with this thing as he's backing away slowly and it it really felt like they were just kind of copying jurassic park like when the the t-rex is there and grant says not to move because it can't see you when you can't move yeah kind of felt like that like okay well if i'm just extremely calm as this Mm -hmm. like reptilian face is inches from my own i'll be good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then later there's another Jay Park uh, sort of copy. Um, a couple I saw. Um, and um, yeah, one is sorry. Uh, like when the alligators like chasing them and they're in the back of the truck, it's it's very much like the T Rex chasing the the Jeep. Bloody move! It's <laughs> right, Robert Muldoon. Muldoon. We got to write Muldoon. an article on Muldoon. Totally. Yeah. I know he has a backstory. I bet he was a mercenary for a while. I would imagine, imagine so. If you don't know who we're talking about, listener, it's the uh, British short shorts guy from Jurassic Park who uh, says, Shuta and yeah. clev- clever girl. Yeah. In fact, like, you might even call him that clever girl guy. Like, mm-hmm. that might be how you think of him. Either khaki short shorts guy or clever girl guy. Exactly. I really, I really appreciate that guy in Jurassic Park because pretty much every main character in that movie is like recognizable you know like sam neill jeff goldblum mm-hmm. laura dern samuel jackson yeah. newman <laughs> even like john hammond's like oh yeah. yeah like Edinburgh, and then like there's that guy like who the fuck is that actor there's <laughs> like a really important role with all those people but i don't think i've ever seen him in anything else yeah and the proportion 
to which he is in the film versus the 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 like uh, the staying power of his few lines mm-hmm. is like outrageously big. <laughs> I think I can like vividly recall every single thing he says and does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's essentially in maybe four scenes, <laughs> including the first one. Yeah, the very first it's like the one. The first character that we get a spotlight on. <laughs> yeah, isn't it like really close up to his mouth? <laughs> oh, that's that's comes soon after that. It okay. starts with like they're loading that crate, and there's a yeah. camera. It seems like it's kind of low, maybe like waist high, and looking up. And he's got his hat on and I think a gun and he's just staring like with these really intense eyes. And I think they kind of slowly move toward him. And then very soon after that, when he's holding the guy's arm that's being eaten by a raptor, they get two close-ups on his mouth as he screams, shooter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just watched I, it a couple of days ago. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the hardest times I've ever laughed was when you and I were talking about Jurassic Park and... It had been a long time since I'd seen the whole movie, so I sort of forgot about that first scene. And you you described this man who's being sucked into this abyss by by these raptors. Like, literally, it it doesn't feel like he's being pulled in by an animal. It feels like he's being, like, sucked into the vacuum of space. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like... He's being pulled at, like, ground level, and then just out of nowhere, he, like, flies up the side of the crate to, like, seven or eight feet in the air. (laughs) It's like, how the fuck did that happen? (laughs) His his grip doesn't falter at all. (laughs) It just slides up this steel wall, which is probably, like, kind of (laughs) sharp. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if something can pull you, like... I don't know. <laughs> Let's just call him 220 pounds, like a 220 pound man. That fast up in the air, that high, there's no way your grip would hold on. Like they'd have the strength right. to just pull you into anything. Right. And like, even if he is like, like has an extremely powerful grip, mm-hmm. that thing is clearly pulling him with extreme force backwards. So like there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of pressure from like his fingers against that, <laughs> against that corner that he's holding. Yeah. And like the laws of of physics and and uh friction i think would dictate that like if that much pressure is going that way and you suddenly have like a vertical motion with that pressure mm-hmm. his skin would probably just be ripped off his fingers and yeah. at the very least it would be extremely painful yeah but <laughs> his grip doesn't falter and we never really find out why this raptor is able to like lift him eight feet in the air suddenly yeah wow what a great scene. Yeah, it's, it's a great scene. But a, a couple other JP... What were you, you going to say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just a couple other JP connections to Lake Placid. There's one kind of close-up of the... Uh, I want to call it a dinosaur. The crocodile's footprint yep. in, in mm-hmm. the mud. Yeah. and uh, Totally. And there's a uh, a cow dangling from something that's, wow. that's about to be fed to the giant beast. Wow, that... The harness, too, is, like, just almost the same. It looks pretty much the same. I felt like this movie, like, was just a complete mashup of Jaws and Jurassic Park. God, you're so right. And, like, I have a feeling that that's what the studios wanted. Like, all right, give me Jaws and Jurassic Park in one. (laughs) Get me Pullman. The the amazing thing about that, though, is both... Okay, so Jurassic Park has very... Has this, like 
deep sense of like fright and terror. Um, and maybe some of that is the fact that they're like stuck on an Island, but it's like very clear that like that we like, there is nothing standing between you and death. Um, and it feels very, very real in Jurassic park in mm. jaws. There, there's a, a ton of people at risk from the shark, like the entire Island that, that jaws takes place on this movie takes place on like a des- in like a deserted lake where only one person lives that's mm-hmm. Betty White and they're just like a handful of like rangers basically and so it like it really i mean there are a few scenes that are kind of freaky but there's nothing that actually is like wow this is actually scary right there's not like a real threat to like Correct. the world or the universe the way that Spielberg kind of creates that like this is a threat to yeah. the well-being of everyone it's just like <laughs> brendan gleason's partner is like scuba diving and gets mm-hmm. his whole like <laughs> basically the, lower body the, his whole lower body eaten off and then yeah. dies and <laughs> that's that's um, pretty much what gets it going yeah and i love that that like that guy sort of just like just like makes fun of Brendan Gleeson for no reason which is like our way of learning like oh Brendan Gleeson he's sort of jaded he's like been mm-hmm. a sheriff for too long and he hates sarcasm right <laughs> everyone is sarcastic to him <laughs> he, also, he also seemed to switch between his Irish accent and like trying to sound American Ooh, and I, really I didn't notice that did, did he just sound Irish to you no he actually just sounded American to me <laughs> I mean, there are like a couple, a couple words here, or there where it's like, oh, because I know he's Irish, I heard it, but I, I wasn't really listening too much, I guess. Okay, yeah, I couldn't decide like whether he was trying to do an American accent the whole time, or whether he was like doing a slightly less Irish accent. Really, what mm. was going on? It also yeah. just con- confused me to see Brandon Gleeson in a movie in 1999. Like, I'm, I know he was in a lot, but I haven't seen them, so it's just uh, odd yeah. seeing him not old, yeah. not Mad Eye Moody. <laughs> yeah, this is like pretty much on the heels more or less of Braveheart, which he was in Braveheart. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um Braveheart. But as far as I know, yeah, this would have been his first like American like American accent movie. Hmm. Um which now I think he he does a very good American accent. Like actually, have you ever seen Cold Mountain? No. Oh, Cold Mountain is actually a really good movie. Um it's really interesting. It's like it's very similar to the Odyssey, the the story of the Odyssey, but it takes place at the end of the Civil War and uh Brendan Gleeson plays this like this like old man who it takes place in North Carolina, so he's fighting for the Confederacy. Um and he just does such a good acting job and and Jack White of the White Stripes is in it. Interesting. Um yeah, and he and Brendan Gleeson have like a couple musical scenes. And they're amazing because I don't know if you knew this. Brendan Gleeson is like a world-class fiddle player. Did not know that. Yeah. He's like, he's really amazing at playing the fiddle. So he's playing the fiddle and like Jack White is like singing or playing the guitar. And it's like, it's really amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did not know that moment existed. Yeah. Feels worth watching uh, just for that. Yeah. Also, uh, who's in it? Um, I forget his name. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole Kidman, Renee Zellweger, great cast. Mm. Um, Jude Law. Jude, yeah, Jude Law. So, uh, throw him the heater, Ricky. That guy's in it. Wait, throw, <laughs> throw him the heater, Ricky? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, wait, is that from uh, Hook? 
<laughs> no, good guess though. Hmm. Um, Major League. Major League. Yeah. Ricky, Rick, Wild Thing, Vaughn. Yep, correct. Who, who is it? Someone on the team who yells? Throw oh, it's the heat. No, it's it's the manager. Yeah, that. Oh, I'm the manager. That guy, the old guy. I don't want to <laughs> jump in the locker when he's naked. Remember, he's like butt naked. He's like, wow. I don't have anything to hide. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When you said the manager, my mind instantly went to Scott Bakula. But he's the manager in Major League Back to the Minors. The third one. The third one. Apparently, that's wow. the one I've like seen the most and have the, the most reference points for, which makes sense, actually. That's the first one that my brother Mike and I owned on VHS and pretty much watched it, I, I would imagine, like close to once a week at some point. <laughs> like, we just watch Major League Back to the Minors. Wow. Like, to the point where we can still quote most scenes, like, to this day. Wow. And characters. Watched a lot of Major League 2 as well, so I think I've mm-hmm. actually seen the original Major League the least. <laughs> You've very... just seen it in descending order. <laughs> exactly. The first one's, like, the only one that's kind of regarded as... <laughs> decently good at least exactly <laughs> wow that's um, that's really amazing you know one of my favorite one of my favorite subjects to like talk with people about sometimes are like those movies that they watched a lot as a kid uh-huh it's always fascinating because it's totally. never like it would take a lot of effort to find someone else who had a similar experience with major league three as you you know right. what i mean so it's like yeah. it's never the same for anyone yeah, well, yeah. There's another one that my brothers and I have that mm-hmm. I think is that that same experience. It's uh, Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was a movie. It's not only a movie; it's a movie with Hulk Hogan. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the wow. fourth the fourth Three Ninjas movie. <laughs> at this point, there were. I'm pretty sure no members of the original cast that were still in it. It was just three different kids. And That's crazy. Hulk Hogan. And yeah, I guess I don't remember that one as well. But hmm. I have, there's like a, there's just this image of an amusement park, Hulk Hogan in a sleeveless shirt and like three kids and a huh. like villain woman. Interesting. What about you? Just other than um, Lake Placid. Yeah. Um, I would say. Uh, actually, uh, one movie I watched a bunch as a kid was the movie Stand By Me. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that that was one that I definitely watched a bunch as a kid. It's um, a good one. Yeah. Like, probably Suther- not... What's that? Sutherland. Sutherland. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. He was 19 when he, when he made that movie, and that is, like, some of the best acting. Yeah. He's, like he's a- so scary in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not just a bully. He's, like, a frightening... 19 year old who would probably kill you yeah in fact i think at one moment he actually is gonna stab a kid i think so but, i think so but then like the other guy has a gun yeah gordy pulls out a gun or something gory is that cory feldman no gordy is uh will wheaton oh right right yeah mm-hmm. what a fucking amazing movie and you know it's based on a stephen king short story the body yeah yeah wow yeah. uh what, the, yeah. whole, the whole plot is like these kids Kind of catch word that there's this dead body that is some somewhere down the tracks. Yeah, they uh, a like a, a local kid in their town has like gone missing, and 
they don't know like where he is, but somehow one of the kids sort of catches wind or finds out that like, or, or they like just, you know, they, they knew that he was going, this kid was like going to some farm on like the outskirts of town to like go berry picking or something like that. And so they are like, you know what I bet happened? They like know the area where he was going and they were like trains come around that train track bend very fast. I bet he was picking berries and he got hit by the train. So it's like their own little theory. And just like kids who want to go on an adventure, they just like pack sleeping bags and they like just follow these tracks like in their in their oh. you know part of Oregon. And and it's just it's so fascinating. It's such like a coming of age movie. And it's something about like it takes place on Labor Day weekend, which is, you know, Labor Day is always considered like the end of summer. So it very much has this like end of an era feel. Hmm. And it's like so nostalgic, even though like I never lived in the 50s, but it's like. It's just incredible. It's such an amazing movie. Directed yeah. by Rob Reiner. Reiner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not too long after Spinal Tap. It was like kind of early in his career. Early yeah. 80s. Yeah, you're right. Before he's... I mean, he definitely sucks now. Like, when's the last <laughs> time anyone has talked about a Rob Reiner movie? <laughs> it's true. But like, he made Spinal Tap. He made so many good movies. by me. He, wow. made, he made Misery. Oh, my God. Another amazing movie. Another yeah. King movie. Another King. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my Maybe God. Maybe they were pals. So that leads me to another topic that I think is kind of interesting. More so than having like a movie that I watched a ton, I feel like I can – I mean, there were definitely movies like – what what happened? I feel Like at one point in time, we got like a new cable package or something like that. And like the cable company did this like – totally dickish thing and they were like we're gonna give you hbo for a month for free you know <laughs> but then it's like you better cancel it or, or you're gonna start getting charged so we just all of a sudden had hbo and <laughs> and hbo you know they'll like replay one movie a bunch and so every summer there would always be like that that one movie that i just watched a ton and two of them that stick out in mind for me are mr deeds and the, the rock Adam's the Adam Sandler, Mr. Deeds? Yes. Okay. Adam Sandler, Mr. Deeds. And, the and then The Rock, which I always say that The Rock is probably the movie I've seen the most because of this. Like, like I, I've seen that movie so many times. Like, you just kind of, like if it was on two days in a row, you'd watch it both days? Totally. Yeah. And, like, I might not get the same parts both days. You know, I might start halfway through one day. And so, um, but, yeah, I just – I know that movie so well and I just love that movie. I don't – I think I've seen that movie one time. Ah, yeah, that's a long overdue thing. I, I think the only thing I can remember is uh, some like green balls. I knew it. I knew it. The yeah. green balls rolling and ah. Yeah, don't, don't they like melt someone? Yeah, basically, they're full of like some acid or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Does someone's like hands melt or something? Probably. Like, it's definitely a movie where like someone's hands are melting. Hmm. <laughs> just, just like kind of falling off and they're like, ah! That could. That might that might be the scene. Man, I I would that'd be really fun to like make a compilation of like eighties and nineties melting person scenes. That is a really great idea. Yeah. I only included eighties thinking of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, uh, totally. But I'd imagine there's other ones. I think there are probably more, yeah. <laughs> um but so I would say as a kid, movie experiences less so than for me having those like one or two movies that I saw a ton, 
I would say what's more significant for me are the movies that I just happened to catch on TV that I think um, were profoundly psychologically disturbing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can think of three examples. Um, one was a movie called They, which I've never looked up anything else about it. Um, actually, I can think of four examples. So <laughs> one was a movie called They, and it's about it's this like a horrifying thing where like a family gets in a car accident and a girl like flies out the front window and she dies and her soul goes into an owl. Very, very, I would just remember watching it. I was probably like eight. I was just like, ah, um, (laughs) the next one is this movie called Orlando starring Tilda Swinton, which is apparently based on an amazing novel about this person who like can't die. So I forget if it's a man or a woman, but this person like, goes through time and i just remember being very disturbed at the ending um so those are just two real quick the next one would be misery i remember one morning i just turned on the tv and misery was starting on like abc or whatever and i just watched the whole Mm -hmm. thing and kathy bates just like going crazy and swinging that sledgehammer oh man yeah you mean the uh wait oh the sledgehammer right i was thinking an axe but that was uh in the book. Oh, really? She, yeah, she doesn't just like break his ankles and feet, she chops them off. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, she's, she's very crazy in that movie and I guess a lot more crazy in the book. Wow. That's so frightening. Yeah. <laughs> she won the Oscar for that and she deserved it. That was She did. Yes. So good. <laughs> I like how in that movie she calls James Conn Mr. Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's so funny. I, I, I love the scenes in that movie when she gets like mildly annoyed at him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like when he says, is like, you know, I can't use this paper. She gets like so upset at him. And it's yeah. like, it's like, oh, that's a normal level of upset. But also like, you know, this lady could like, you know, chop your feet off. Right. Wow. Yeah, there's like that that really kind of slow build where like kind of some little things trigger a reaction that it's like, okay, I could see you being annoyed, but like this seems a little excessive to be this yeah. mad about like yeah. what he said. And yeah, oh, such man. a such a great way of just building like this sense of dread, like this woman is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um <laughs> And then the last one, sorry, I know I'm talking about this so much, but I guess I just really need to get all this off my chest. It's uh, okay. Yeah. This is part of this podcast is healing childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> it's imparted by movies. <laughs> so the last one, it was, I don't know, it was maybe 10 or 11. It was winter and I had my basketball uniform on because I had a basketball game in like an hour and it was a Sunday. And, you know, as a kid, dark Sundays just suck because you have homework and you have school the next day. It's just awful. And... So I had my basketball uniform on. Yeah, fucking church. You have to go to church. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like watching TV before my basketball game. And I happened to catch, probably on HBO, because it was all unedited, um, Silence of the Lambs. And I just remember like I happened to watch the chunk of the film with the most disturbing Buffalo Bill scenes, you know, including like trying on someone else's skin and like Mm. holding the lady in the hole and then tucking his penis between his legs. And it was just like... I think it was like right after the end of the scene where he tucks his penis between his legs that my mom was like, all right, we have to go to the, you know, school now to play basketball. I was like, okay. (laughs) I just remember like during the game, just being like, 
I can't, I can't believe what I just saw. And like, even at that age, I was like, I think this messed me up because <laughs> it's like the most, it's one of the most disturbing movies ever. <laughs> it just happens to be really good. And I just remember like playing and like dribbling and going for a layup and shooting a free throw. And the whole time I just keep thinking about Buffalo Bill. <laughs> was your mom watching with you? No, I was watching by myself. <laughs> I liked Anthony Hopkins and I knew this was a good movie and maybe I'd seen like a, a little bit of it before, but I had never seen unedited Buffalo Bill. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine this, like those little kids playing basketball and like you're just standing like in a corner kind of staring. Your coach is like, come on, Matt, get your head in the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're just experiencing like the onset of a lifelong of trauma. <laughs> Yeah, because it had literally, I, I, it made me feel physically different. <laughs> that's, that's what they say about trauma. It lodges yeah. itself in the body. Yeah. How does it feel talking about it now? You know, it feels good. And I've, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it feels, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good to talk about. But every time I think about it, I'm still just like, I just remember, because that was probably the first time in my life where I had that moment where you just sort of open your eyes and you just like blankly stare and you're like, I, I simultaneously know and not know what's happening to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a potent moment. It's, it's interesting, too, because if you like if you watched that like 15 years later, it probably would have been weird, but like mm-hmm. not had such an impact. But now that impact, because you watched it at that time, you probably still can like feel it. If you watch those scenes, like there's the almost yeah. like neurological memory that's <laughs> just like embedded into your experience. Yeah. Like to the point where I have never, ever been able to watch with ease anything that that man has acted in. Wow. Yeah. Like, um, not it, it's not like it makes me uncomfortable, but like I'll just be like him, like how how could you how could you cast him in anything after that scene he did with Buffalo Bill, and I'll like look around at other people like doesn't everyone agree with me like remember him, <laughs> and everyone's just like no it's fine he he's in Monk you know he's that bad guy in Wild Wild West no big deal and I'm like no not no big deal like this is a big our, deal this is a big deal yeah, that's buff- <laughs> the guy who played Buffalo Bill in that scene <laughs> yeah. like, why, why doesn't anyone understand. Like, I can't even imagine that he's a real person. You know what I mean? Like, that man. I, I just don't know. Like, yeah. does he have a family and grandkids? Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, he, he, he managed to he managed to just manifest pure evil like as that character. It's so disturbing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> right. Yes. It's, it's amazing and frightening and... Um, I guess it makes sense as to why movies are rated R. (laughs) Okay, it's not just going to scare a kid. Like, could potentially traumatize them for life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. My childhood trauma movie was uh, The Shining. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a hard... That would be really... I can easily see why. Because it's hard to watch as an adult. Totally. I think I was probably uh, maybe 11, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12. Um, the only person I know who, like, <laughs> whose childhood trauma from that movie is 
worse is my little brother Connor because I'm pretty <laughs> sure he watched it at the same time and he was five years younger. So <laughs> it was even more intense. But I just I remember uh, just towards the end when like the scenes with all the blood kind of rushing out of the elevators in slow motion and then it cuts to Danny's horrified face. Yeah. It was it was Danny, the kid who definitely like traumatized me the most. And then by the end when he's just like in this kind of semi catatonic, like schizophrenic state, just mm-hmm. saying the word red rum over and over again. Like, wow. Oh man, that part when like, I think the scene starts and he's just like walking slowly through mm-hmm. the darkness and just kind of like mumbling, like red rum. Brad. And just through the scene, it's just like Bills as he's standing by Shelley Duvall until he's yeah. just like screaming it over and over. God. Oh. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I don't think I, I... – go ahead. Sorry. Uh, the other little blip I recall is uh, he like writes red rum and like lipstick on the mirror and then it you get a mirror of the mirror and it's just like flashes to it and it says murder. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my god! Remember being, I, de- I I slept in my parents' room that night. I think yeah. it might have been the last time in my life I I did that. But I just got a sleeping bag. At least one of my brothers did too. <laughs> just slept on the floor. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure my mom regrets like, <laughs> playing the movie for us. That's yeah. so amazing. It was hor- It was horrifying. It's a it's a horrifying movie. Like there's there's something. There's something inexplicably hor- horrifying about that movie too, and I, I, mm-hmm. I know people have talked about like the geometry of it, right? Like the, the carpeting and whatever, and like yeah, the music. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, like feels cold. It feels soulless. You know what I mean? Like it, it literally feels like there's there's no life. Like you know, like if you like, I don't know. If you were to actually meet a, like true, truly the embodiment of evil, somehow that movie gets that across. Like, there's no hope or joy anywhere there's in that movie. Anywhere, yeah. yeah. Like, even in the beginning, like, before yeah. they go, like, the whole drive to the Overlook Hotel, Jack Nicholson already looks like he basically wants to kill his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, he's this cheery dad, like he was, well, it's not just that in the book, but yeah. you know, Stephen King hates that movie, and he said, basically yeah. for the exact reasons you just said, it's cold, soulless. Interesting. There's no humanity to it. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's crazy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I just remembered we were doing an episode about Lake Placid. (laughs) Lake Placid. How do you, you can't even get, how do you even talk about it after you've talked about Silence of the Lambs and (laughs) Misery and The Shining? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like Lake Placid. It was a movie. Yeah. It was a movie that came out (laughs) with like six sequels now. That I will say is something hilarious. So I watched the trailer to, so anyway, listener, if you're still there and not horrified, um, uh, we we decided to talk about Lake Placid because Sean, you had brought to my attention that there is a movie called what is it called? Uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. 
So Lake Plaza versus Anaconda, which we, obviously we talked about Anaconda and had a blast talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but Lake Placid, I love the title, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. So it's it's not Big Alligator or Big Crocodile. It's Lake Placid, which is a place, versus <laughs> Anaconda, which is a breed of snake. <laughs> it's not like it's that's their name. Um, yeah. And now we know Lake Placid is not just a place, but it's also a place that isn't the place of the movie Lake Placid. <laughs> <laughs> Who on earth agreed to that? That's I can't believe it. Oh, man. That's yeah. crazy. There's something about watching these movies, these like late mid to late 90s action disaster movies really mm-hmm. really i might go as far to say 90s movies in general that yeah you just you get a feeling of how much simpler things were then truly like, you know you could just think of here's you got this mythologist and a fish and wildlife rescue guy and a cop and uh, a paleontologist whose boyfriend just dumped her and yeah. get them all together and they're fighting a giant crocodile <laughs> Here's exactly. $50 million. Just didn't have to make things complex. Just no. like that's what movies were. Wow. Now we don't even have movies. They're gone. I know. They're gone. They're totally gone. Yeah. Coronavirus killed them. It did. Wow. Well, I don't really know if I have anything else to say. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I, I think we're right about an hour. So yeah. probably talked about Lake Placid for 15 minutes. So exactly, it seems like it's all plenty. you need. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, well. yeah. Hope uh, hope you have a good day. Yeah, don't don't be too traumatized. <laughs> right. Yeah, we apologize if our conversations about childhood trauma movies brought up yours. Um, yeah. If you'd like to reach out, talk about it more, feel free to uh, go to our website, generalsnobbery.com. You can send us a message. Or yeah, let, could, us, uh, yeah. Yeah. let us know what movie traumatized you. Right, yeah, we'd be interested. And you can also just let us know what, what movie delighted you as a kid. What was your personal Major League Back to the Minors or Stand exactly. By Me? Yeah. Yeah. Love to hear from you. And um, if you'd like, you could also um, send us some money. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. We'll, we'll probably set up Patreon. So that'll be an option. But if you want to just kind of get to that now, you could uh, just send a check or Venmo. <laughs> Venmo works well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to do that, just contact us and we'll let you know how to give us money, which <laughs> will help us out. Yeah. You won't get anything, but it'd right. be, we'd like it. You'll get more episodes, but <laughs> you would probably would get that anyways. <laughs> but we'll mention we'll mention the fact that you gave us money. We won't mention your name unless we'll you just, give us a lot of money. Yeah, like twenty thousand. <laughs> twenty k. Gets the name drop. Yeah, we'll even mention your Instagram handle, <laughs> so that people can say that person's nice. Right. Yeah. People can unfollow you. <laughs> All right. Well, Alrighty. good luck uh, navigating the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining, FBI. Yep. <laughs> Take care. All right. See ya.